Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Take Graphs here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, the MLB show, your favorite MLB show each and every week on this very program where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ up there in New York City, Fangraph's own John Taylor. John, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing well, waiting for game three of the ALCS of this of this moment. I, I'm especially excited for game three, uh, both in the ALCS and the NLCS, because if the Rangers or Phillies, and if the Rangers and Phillies, doesn't really matter, if either of them wins, mm. that will put one team up three games to nothing, mm. which means I get to deploy my favorite baseball stat, which is that no team in Major League Baseball history has come back from being down three games to nothing in a seven-game series except for the 2004 Boston Red Sox, who did it to the 2004 New York Yankees. Not a lot of people know about this. It's, it's, it's a fact that I, I want to make sure it gets out there because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that the 2004 Red Sox are the only team in Major League Baseball history to come back from 3-0 three, three down in a best-of-seven postgame season, or postgame, sorry, postseason series, and that they just happen to be playing the New York Yankees. I think, that, I think that's important that people know that. I like that. Who, who would be more likely, who's more built to come back from 3-0? Between the Diamondbacks uh, and their, I, their I have Astros. to say Houston. Um, okay. I think in part because it's a better lineup than Arizona's. It's a better rotation. It's just the Astros are just a better team. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm really interested to see with the, with wherever this series goes, and uh, obviously by the time we record again next week, both CSs will be done. Mm. But uh, the thing I'll be interested to see for the rest of this ALCS: Houston, a much better team this year on the road than at home. Texas, a much better team this year at home than on the road. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see if that holds for the series. I mean, obviously, those kinds of stats are not predictive uh, in any sense of the word. But mm-hmm. it is just a, a neat little thing that I, I do wonder if it'll play out again. But uh, I think the other thing, too, is Texas of the two teams. Like, the, the one real weakness of Texas, and I think we've already seen it almost play out now, is that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jose Leclerc has pitched in every single game this postseason, which... Uh, 
experts will tell you is probably not a good sign either for the future health of his arm or the lack of other reliable options yeah. in the Texas bullpen. Uh, I think similarly, you know, especially for game three tonight, uh, Wednesday night, the big question for Texas is going to be not just for this series, but if they continue, if they advance onward, uh, what are they going to get out of Max Scherzer, who hasn't pitched in over a month? Um, you know, not really clear how long he will last in this game, how sharp he will be. Uh, obviously, they've gotten great results so far from Jordan Montgomery and Nate Uvalde. You know, that, that feels like a pretty good starting twosome, but having Scherzer to fill that third starter spot or to be available, because obviously that's a big step up from having to start Dane Dunning and Andrew Haney in a postseason series. Um, that would, I think, go a long way, not toward not just toward getting Texas out of the ALCS, but toward making them a legitimate uh, World Series. Well, they already are a legitimate World Series possibility, but a legitimate uh, World Series favorite, if anything. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see when it gets there. Uh, you know, similarly, I think Philadelphia is in a really, really good spot. And obviously, the, the, you know, when you're up two games to none, in a best of seven, the odds are substantially in your favor. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm looking up the odds now because I want to get the the exact numbers. Uh, so two o teams that go up two o or uh, usually end up winning the series about I think it's like ninety percent of the time. It's rare, you know. Maybe that's a little too. I think it's like 90 percent. But uh, actually, you know what? I'll 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 do even better. I will go to our zips. Mm-hmm. Postseason game by game odds, which takes all this fun information into account. Mm-hmm. We currently have the Rangers ahead of Game Three tonight as seventy nine percent odds on favorite to advance. In the NLCS, the Phillies are seventy nine point nine percent, so seventy nine point two for Texas, seventy nine point nine for Philadelphia. So that about scans eighty percent odds of winning the series. But again, stranger things have happened, like in two thousand four mm-hmm. when the Boston Red Sox came back from three games uh, down in a best of seven series to beat the New York Yankees and win the pennant and go on to win the World Series. So it can happen. It will. It has. Only, it has happened the one time. I hope it honestly never happens again because I just want to keep cashing that check every single postseason. But um, yeah, I, I'd have to say of the two, I, I, I think Houston is better suited to come back from this deficit. But I think both. Both the Astros and Diamondbacks are, are in a fair amount of trouble right now. I would agree, John Taylor. Your take graph take of the week is what, sir? Uh, I'm going to stick with Texas. I think Ooh. this is legit a team that, regardless of how this series goes, regardless of whether or not they win the World Series, I think we're going to be talking about them going into next season as the best team in the American League. Oh. This is a... And you're seeing You've seen it play out in the postseason. You saw it play out for like 85% of the regular season. Yeah. This is a phenomenal roster uh, built. And what I think makes it especially great is just the diversity of the way it's built. It's not just, you know, the the fact, oh, they, you know, they went out and paid the money for Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon and, and Jacob deGrom, although deGrom obviously is hurt. You know, it's also the player development. You've already seen it with Evan Carter, who's been probably the best player on the Rangers. I think maybe Seager is the other uh, in, in, mm. uh, position player. It's either Seager or Carter who's been uh, the best part of the Rangers this postseason. Um, Wyatt Langford, they're no, the number three overall draft pick last summer, has torn the minor leagues up in his brief stay. I think there's a legitimate chance he comes up midseason next year. He already looks like an impact candidate. And this is a deep farm system, too. You look at on the Fangraph's big board of prospects uh, looking just purely at Texas. And this was this is a list we updated uh, during the season. We have five Rangers players in the top 100. That's Langford at 15, Carter at 30, Sebastian Walcott, uh, a high A-level third baseman at 41, Justin Foscue, their 2020 top draft pick out of Mississippi State, currently in AAA at number 69, and for those who've forgotten he existed, Jack Leiter at number 74. Uh, I, I, it's, and it's an open question as to whether Leiter is going to be the guy that I think everyone initially, and maybe not through the like through the end of the draft, but at least before the draft projected to be a kind of super number one guy. Mm. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but still, that's five guys in the top 100, plus uh, four more 45 future value or future value prospects. And for those not familiar with future value, it's just a, a number we use to indicate... Uh, what we expect a guy's value to be as a major leaguer. So, you know, 50, 60, 60 and above is a, is a future MVP candidate. 50 and above is a future all-star. 40 and above is a future solid regular. So 45, you're looking at a guy projected to be somewhere between a regular and an all-star. Four guys fit that description now. Brock Porter, Abby Melek, Ortiz, 
uh, Owen White, who's gotten a little bit of MLB experience already, and Cameron Cauley, and then a few four, and then a bunch, bunch, bunch of 40-plus guys, including Kumar Rocker, who, mm. despite the injury, still there, still hanging out. Plus, you've got uh, their 2023 draft picks, Caden Scarborough, obviously, uh, it was one I love that name. It's it's just the most like young baseball name you can possibly imagine. Caden Scarborough, uh, Alejandro Rosario, who they took out of Miami. Uh, there there's a lot of depth in this system, and mm-hmm. that's even considering that they went through this kind of fallow period where a lot of those prospects we all kind of expected would be something uh, in that kind of early Rangers Renaissance. That group kind of headlined by Joey Gallo, but that also included uh, Nomar Mazzara, Jerickson Profar. Uh, they're couple names I'm missing in there, but regardless, it didn't really pan out quite the way expected. This is an even deeper and better group than that one. So it's not just that Texas is, is has spent the money and is clearly willing to spend the money. As you saw when they yeah. picked up Scherzer, more than happy to take the freight on and give up a top prospect in Luis Angel Acuna, who would have been, uh, I believe, is on our top 100 currently uh, if and would still be there, if not obviously for being dealt for Scherzer. Um, a team that I expect also to be active in the offseason, particularly when you keep in mind that their rotation next year, top, I think we talked about this last week, top line uh, right now, Scherzer, Yavaldi, that's really where it stops. Jordan Montgomery is a free agent. DeGrom obviously will not pitch next season, uh, most likely won't pitch at all next season, depending on how his Tommy John rehab goes. Haney's still under contract, Dunning's still under contract, but there's room for them to go and get more. I would not be surprised to see Texas link to Blake Snell a lot to get another top flight arm in there. Similarly, I could see them being interested. Uh, I could there I could see them definitely making a pitch for Otani uh to give, you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily likely. He doesn't feel like be, a Texas fit to me. I but the thing is I, I I think Texas will be involved in the free agent market. I don't see this yeah. as it's, I don't like given how busy this team has been, given how willing they've been to spend money, I don't see Texas all of a sudden, especially if they don't win the World Series, just going well, we've done a pretty good job so far. Time to kick our feet up and relax. They have you know? a lot of AL Phillies Dombrowski vibes. They do. It's like a blank checkbook, and they're just going to contend, and they're just going to keep spending until the wheels come all the way off, and they're just uh, not winning, and just older guys are... Like, they have a lot more DeGrom situations, where they yeah, just have a lot of money tied up in guys who can't play anymore. And the difference is, is that the Rangers have a far better farm system than yeah. the Phillies do. Again, you look... At our current overall farm system rankings, we have Texas as the number five farm system in the majors, mm. Philadelphia down around 19, which is granted way better than Philly has been in quite some time. But again, this is a top five farm system with yeah. lots of depth, lots of top end talent. Uh, again, the willingness to spend, the willingness to go after top free agents. And this is going to become a marquee destination for free agents too, because all you have to do if you're the and you're in charge of that team is go... Look at what we've got. We've got Corey yeah. Seager. We've got Marcus Semyon. We've got Max Scherzer. We've got Nate Uvalde. We've got Evan Carter. We've got, uh, you know, on and on and on. We've got Wyatt Langford. He's going to be here in a minute, you know? It, you know, it, it's, it is a very well set up team both for now and for the future in a way that I don't think any other AL team is really matching. I think hmm. Baltimore, very much so for the future, you know, with the abundance of prospects they have and the fact that similarly, as with Texas and Wyatt Langford, they will have Jackson Holiday up at some point next season if not there from opening day. But I think I, and this this is probably more about Baltimore than this is about Texas, I can't say that Baltimore would go into the season as my number one AL team unless they spend the offseason doing the things necessary to establish themselves as the number one team. And that means going hmm. out and getting a number one starter at some, at some level or another. It means adding to that roster and not just saying, eh, it'll happen when it happens. You know, th- that's why I think Texas, that that is the, the X factor for me, is that willingness to go out spend the money, get the players, make the trades that, again, like you said, it, it, it's a perfect mirror of what Dombrowski has done with the Phillies. He identified that team as being one that was ready to win now, and he's done everything he can to keep that window as open for as long as he can with that current core. And again, Texas is in better shape because their core, if anything, granted, Seeger and Semyon both now on the wrong side of 30, but still, there's a lot of room for that, especially that current offensive core. And there's, you know, Carter, Josh Young, Jonah, Jonah Heim, again, Langford eventually. They're, those guys are going to be around for a while. And so I think it's it's really got Texas in a good spot. You know, I, I don't necessarily know how I feel about Houston. Obviously, they're always going to be there because they always are until, you know, at, at, at like similarly with the Rays, you bury them at your own at your own discretion. But you know, Tampa has its own problems, particularly, especially in, similarly with the Orioles when it comes to making the moves they need to make for that roster. Uh, Minnesota, I don't think, is ever going to be that kind of a big spender. You don't really know where the Blue Jays and Yankees and Red Sox are at right now. 
I doesn't but it's feel fair like the to assume that they're, they're going to be big spenders for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I, I actually shouldn't say that with the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. And what I, I wouldn't say that. I definitely wouldn't say that with the Red Sox, whose yeah. front office shenanigans right now, in terms of everyone available being like, uh, you know what, I I, I don't want to deal with this mess. Who has uh, officially turned them down? Uh, Brandon Gomes, the Dodgers general manager. Okay. James Click has turned them down. I didn't see uh, Click officially, so Click Click's has, out. Click has turned them down. Um, That's a bad omen. That's a bad... Chris Antonetti in Cleveland has turned them down. Um, they, they are not getting a lot of bites from people right now. Even Michael How much Hill, is Boston Sports Radio right now? Just like, where, give me Theo! I can't do a Boston accent. Where is Theo? Like, get where Theo the back fuck in the- is Theo Epstein? <laughs> get that fuck... Yeah, look, they're, they have way bigger problems. Like the fact that the Patriots are just in a complete death spiral right now. But that helps. That does... I mean, that's the thing. The, the one nice thing about the Red Sox being where they are right now is that New England uh, fans in Boston are equally divided now between the Patriots are in a death spiral and the NBA title favorite Celtics are about to yeah. start their season. So that's going to keep some of the just won the off. title. A lot of Husky fans. A lot of UConn fans. A lot of Husky fans, fans in, obviously, in, in the Boston area, except for those yeah. who are, you know, BC grads. But either way, I, I think I think that the road is very well set up for Texas, too, because as we just noted, there aren't there isn't really, as, as in the National League, where you have the Braves and the Dodgers who are just perpetually, consistently, persistently there... That team doesn't really exist in the American League. The closest you could probably get right now is the Astros. And, and the can Rangers they coexist as co-dominant forces in the same division for the I next several so. I mean, years? I, I think okay. you can see that already with the Phillies and the Braves that even necessarily yeah. it doesn't really matter which one wins the division if they both are going to end up making the postseason. And I yeah. think similarly with the Rangers is that the AL wild card, you know, we saw how crowded that race got, but at the same time, this is a team that already looks to be at least a head and a set of shoulders above the likes of, you know, whoever finishes second in the Central, above the Mariners, above the Angels, above the, you know, the Blue Jays. You know, this, if it if it were not for that month of September where Texas spent the great majority of its time crapping its pants, mm. I think we would have gone into this postseason looking at them and going, well, there's your number one team in the American League right there. Mm. You know, leave the Orioles out of it for the time being, who again, clearly do not seem to act as if they are the number one team in the American League. So for now, again, who knows? Maybe Houston comes back and wins four straight and knocks Texas out and, you know, Max Scherzer's arm falls off in the process. But I think regardless of what happens going forward, that is a team where you're going to next season being like, that feels like your pennant favorite right there. I like it. I wasn't expecting that from you, John Taylor. Yeah, it's, um, it's what Take Graphs is all about is the unexpected. That is uh, 100% right. Uh, don't forget, folks, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, first off, thank you for checking out uh, the full episodes here, clips, shorts, all the good stuff uh, each and every Thursday on this very show. Look out for that. Uh, take graphs, the MLB show here on the Chase Homes podcast with the great Fangraph Zone, John Taylor. Uh, so watch out for that in your podcast feed every Thursday and on YouTube at the same time we're taping these on Wednesday evenings. If you have any MLB questions for us, you can always email us at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, tweet at us at pod chase thomas, all that good stuff with any of your MLB takes and uh, thoughts on the show. And as always, leave us a five star rating and review on your preferred podcast player and why you like uh, the MLB show each and every week here on this very feed and also check out the website chasethomaspodcast.com where you can get information about john the show and everything else uh great homepage chasethomaspodcast.com uh john that's a heck of an ad read that went on for you do you have that all written out or did you no i don't <laughs> okay wow that's see john when you've done like a gazillion of these like it's, okay that, uh, that's fair that makes sense i'm a professional john taylor <laughs> um <laughs> this is a professional production <laughs> Uh, speaking know. of professionals and professions, um, Kim Ang might have a new profession, which is uh, maybe not being a general manager in baseball because she might have a sour taste in her mouth at what just happened to her in Miami. Um, reports this week about uh, why she ended up leaving the Miami Marlins, a team that just made the playoffs. And we went into, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John Taylor, uh, there was a playoff mandate before this year, and then she proceeded to meet that said mandate by the Miami Marlins making the playoffs and then still go above her to hire someone else uh, as a president of baseball ops. Um, Speaking of ops, the optics of this, have you heard this? Have you seen this? The optics of doing something like this is both wrong and also very on brand for the Miami Marlins. So shout out to the Marlins who it doesn't matter if it's Jeffrey Loria or whoever owns this baseball team. 
They just can't get out of their own way. It just doesn't matter. Like, this no. just made me really sad. This is a sad story, which should have been a happy story of, hey, we're going to give Kim an extension. She uh, got this team to the playoffs. The Marlins are in pretty good shape. Um, let's, uh, we have a modern day Tony Gwynn now. We have great young pitching. Let's ride this momentum and be a healthy, normal organization for the next couple of years. How about that? And they were, instead were like, no, we're just going to actually We're uh, going to go alienate. back to being stupid chaos. Yes. Yeah. John Taylor, what do you make of all of this right now? So for starters, it is not a surprise, I think, for a, you know what you just said, which is that we don't really expect the Marlins to behave like a normal franchise. You know, they per they perpetually operate in that Rockies tier of, mm -hmm. well, why would they do that? And then you realize, because that's who they are. Yep. Uh, as, as, our J as our own Jay Jaffe over at Fangraphs put it, all of this feels very par for, uh, as I, sh I should say, in writing about Aang's departure, all of this feels very par for the course for the Marlins, who haven't exactly cultivated a winning tradition because, you know, these things cost money. And that, I think, is probably the the main issue here, is that, as Jay says, long-term success in baseball involves money one way or the other. You've got to invest mm. in either free agency, or in player development, or in a farm system, or ideally all of the above, but at the very least, you have to invest something. You have to try. And what is so confounding about this for me is that while there are a fair number of moves of, of, of Aang's that I, I don't like, I, for what it's worth, I don't think she has done a particularly good job in free agency for starters. I, mm. The Avisail Garcia contract was one where, from the second it was signed, you kind of looked around and went, why would you do that? Similarly, mm. I thought Jorge Soler was not a great decision. Getting Luis Arias was great. I didn't like what it cost in Pablo Lopez. I know you and I had talked a bunch about there yeah. must be a different way to get hitting without having to give up that level of pitching. Lo and behold, for as good as Arias has been, Lopez goes to the Twins and puts together a, a season that's going to get him down ballot Cy Young votes. You yeah. know? But I also will say that it's very clear that in building this roster, Aang has to op or has or had to operate rather under significant budgetary constraints. When you consider the fact that uh, the Marlins' payroll for 2023 was $110 million, and that's the highest payroll they've run probably close to ever. You know, that is that is not a significant pay. That is a third of what the Mets spent on their roster. And granted, only there's only one Steve Cohen in baseball, but mm. 110 million is is pretty middling all things considered. You know, if you pull up uh, if you go to Spot Track is how do you say it? Spot Track, Spot Track? I always spot said rack. Spot Track, I think. I kind of like Spot Rack now that I Spot Rack. <laughs> spot Rack now that I Isn't it funny it? though with reading? Like that's one of the the worst like the worst thing about reading is like especially when you depending on what you read but like there are books you you don't realize that because the the word just doesn't pop up in a normal conversation that you have this word in your mind it's pronounced a certain way for like 17 years and then you find yeah. you just say it out loud one time and someone who actually has used it a couple times in real life uh looks at you and you're like oh no yeah, it's the worst yeah. feeling imaginable is you're just it's... like i don't it's I a fun know. one. I always, always love the the. I forget there was near a, a, a one time I heard a friend say banal, but pronounce it banal. And I look, that's a tough one. That one does not yeah. come up in in conversation all no. that often. But it's still just very funny when it gets mispronounced. No, mm -hmm. no offense to anyone who has said banal before. But looking at twenty twenty three payrolls via spot track, spot rack, spo track. Mm. Uh, Let's do they spot have the, rack. They have the Marlins at one hundred and five million dollars. That's twenty second in the majors. The Tigers spent more money than the Marlins did. The Brewers spent more money than the Marlins did. The Rockies spent more money than the Marlins did last year. There are, and I'm just going to count them out loud because that's how I'm doing it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There are twelve teams in the majors that spent more money than the Marlins did last season and did not make the postseason. And while I know I've argued here that the Marlins making the postseason this this October was honestly kind of a fluke. Their, their run differential was, I think, something in the minus 55 area. They should have been a below 500 team uh, per the peripherals. Doesn't matter. They still made it, and they did it with one hand tied behind their back. Yeah. And I think that that, too, goes to a little bit of an explanation as to why Kim Eng ends up signing players like Avisail Garcia and Jorge Soler. Because when she wants to try to sign someone better and more expensive, she presumably had ownership coming to tell her, uh, no, no, you cannot do that, but you can sign half as much if you'd like. I, I think mm. it's not dissimilar to the way that Derek Jeter stepped away from this team in a similar, uh, granted under different circumstances, but I think the same 
uh, animating principle of this team is just not going to spend in the way it needs to spend to be a consistent contender. It mm. is just going to be content to have a bottom 10 payroll and maybe make sneak into the playoffs as an 84 win team every now and again, but that there's no real interest in going any further. And to say nothing for Aang, on Ang's part of having to inherit this team that was built, that Michael Hill built, who, another name who recently turned the Red Sox down, which not a great sign for the way things are operating for the Boston Red Sox when Michael Hill says no. John that, Taylor, next GM of the Red Sox, who says no? Me, for starters. Um, <laughs> you know, having to move on from Gary Denbo, having to find a new manager after Don Mattingly, finding seemingly a good one in Skip Schumacher, who has who mm. performed very well, dealing with a lot of injury issues, uh, Sixto Sanchez getting hurt, Trevor Rogers getting hurt, Jazz Chisholm getting hurt, uh, Tommy, or, sorry, Sandy Alcantara getting hurt, and he's not, obviously not going to pitch next season. It's very strange to me that, you know, there were a lot of issues with this Marlins team when Aang inherited it and then as she created it, but she's done pretty well, all things considered. Again, with one of the lowest payrolls in the majors, she created a a, a, a postseason team, mm. you know, and again, it doesn't, I, I can I can say until I'm blue in the face, I don't know that the Marlins were all that legitimate a postseason team. They still made it. That still yeah. counts. As, as um, But it also makes the job like so much more... Uh, I mean, it was already probably a job that most GMs were like, I, I really don't want this. And that goes back to the Jeter stuff and how that weird exit happened. But also, why would you want this? You can't trust ownership now. Like, exactly. you can't it's... trust, like, why would you want this job? Like, what? I'll, you... I'll, I'll quote Jay again, because I think he puts it well. If Ang's track record in handling the Marlins roster is hardly flawless, what head of baseball operations record is? Yeah. The point stands that she built a playoff team despite limited resources. Uh, the Marlins are trending in the right direction and will bear Aang's fingerprints for years. She deserved the security and authority to continue building. Yeah. But like, to your point, you, if you're a, if you're someone, if you're a prospective general manager, you watch someone the Marlins brought in, and not just someone, I, I, Kim Aang is not just some rando off the street. She has been in this world doing this kind of work for decades. Mm -hmm. You know, she is highly valued, highly respected, an intelligent, uh, a fan, like, someone who is lauded across the league for the work she has done she's been doing Just, it longer than i've been alive she started with the white Sox in 1990 oh my god that's right you're not oh wow oh, okay well look doesn't matter we're not going to focus on that moment of, of reminding us of the the passage of time mm -hmm. point is this is a veteran a major league veteran who has been around the block several times who knows what she's doing um and if you, again, if you're someone who is a prospective GM, you just watch the ownership of this team that already refuses to give you money to build a team that is apparently just going to uh, that refuses to give you money to buy the to 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 create the team. They hire someone who goes, who basically go, moves heaven and earth to make this roster better without the ability to spend money, and they reward her by being like, you know what, you need as a boss to to micromanage you from up top. No, you're right. No one's going to want that job. Because you're not going to get the commitment from ownership either in terms of spending or in terms of having the authority to make your own decisions. Yeah. If anything, it reminds me a lot of what's going on in Boston, mm. which is to say you have meddling ownership that does not want to give you your own authority to do something and where the the standards for success are both constantly moving and in, in many cases just completely at each other's odds. You know, it, it's different in Florida because I don't think there's an expectation with the Marlins that you should be contending every year. In fact, ownership doesn't really seem to care whether or not mm. you're contending every year. I know you brought up the whole playoff mandate thing, but that yeah. very clearly is just a, a cover for them to be able to say something in public of, no, 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 we actually, we're not just a revenue sharing uh, leech. We actually do want to make the playoffs every now and again. I think Clearly they were also the surprised that they made the playoffs. It was like one of those where this was not the plan. We were always going to hire someone above you. And then you actually went out and made the playoffs. So we couldn't, this made it all I, very more awkward. That I would agree with that. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll join the course, say good on Kim Eng for knowing yeah. her worth in this, for stepping away from this, for, you know, for saying, I don't want to deal with this kind of Mickey Mouse bullshit. I also think that I, I don't really know that I see her getting another general manager job and not because she, she doesn't deserve it. She'd be eminently qualified. It, there was a lot of talk when she took this job that she, for a long time, had turned down uh, offers and uh, interviews from other teams in the past because she didn't know that she wanted to do that particular kind of work. This was this was kind of a special case, being willing to do this. Mm. And I have to imagine, and, and you know, other teams are different. Not every team is the Marlins, obviously. But I have to imagine this is probably in her mind, like, okay, let's give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does work, it does work. But... I don't get the sense that this is someone who, this is not someone who's, you know, looking for a new career at 35. Like you said, she's been doing this 
longer than you've been alive. There's no real... I don't think there's any real need here or feeling of, like, I've got to keep doing this. Which I think is, is a shame on its own, too, is that the Marlins didn't just let go of someone who's qualified and accomplished. They might have actually ended her career as a general manager type in baseball in the process. Because she may decide, you know what? I don't want to deal with this again. Doesn't really Do you know what I think is going to end up happening, though? What's that? you know who has a vacant GM spot? Uh, the Boston Red Sox, but it's not going to be Kim Eng. I no. Why would she do that? I don't want her. I don't want that to happen to her. I would be feel very bad if she got hired there. Do you know where she played stickball growing up, John? Uh, the mean streets of Flatbush, Queens. Oh, oh, that's no, that's Brooklyn. But it, okay, that you, she joins David Stearns, that I don't, front but office. But that's the thing. I think leaving the Marlins aspect out it's and granted that's but a you big could part stick of it, it to uh stick it to him uh you could stick it to the marlins front office by joining the mets and just to rub but it I, in uh i could understand i could see that but at the same time i think part of this too for ang wasn't just this team is cheap and and run by liars it's yeah. that she doesn't want to be anyone's subordinate she yeah she did but it that. might be collaborative i don't know what her relationship would be like with david stearns i don't know i i just have a hard time seeing the mets hiring someone in stearns and then after the fact because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the plan either because it would clearly be mm. a reaction to ang being available true and then after the fact being like oh we're also going to hire someone who's basically going to do your job too but maybe be subordinate to you but eh, we'll figure it out that that is just a, maybe that's that why the yankees of... make more sense is because cashman already has that relationship with her dating back think... to many years yeah but I think it seems like her one of the major issues here was that she, and deservedly so, has earned the right to run a front office. Yeah. And not just as a general manager, but as a president of baseball operations. I think. But, but can you do that in New York with the Yankees? Like take Cashman. But, that, but that's like, prob that's a problem. I think Cash Cashman is the president of baseball operations for the yeah. New York Yankees. I don't think. I mean, I don't know if that's his exact title or if it's you know senior. They make up or titles in all these organizations. There's so much title like, inflation. It, it's yeah. the, like all white collar work has that, but Major League Baseball mm. is lousy with it. Um, it's the finance world writ small. Well, you're the senior editor of social media of the First Order at Fangraphs.com. The First Order will bring back, uh, well, order to Fangraphs, but mm -hmm. I, I just have a hard time seeing her being willing to be someone else's number two when a large part of why this happened is because the Marlins were like, okay, you've been demoted. You're now number two. Yeah, I, I just don't think that's going to be a. I think if there were a team that had a completely blank slate and an ownership that was like, hey, do whatever you want. We'll support you 100 percent. Sure. I just don't know that that exists right now. If mm. only because I think if the Mets had not hired Stearns, then I think that's a realistic possibility. But I don't think they're going to I don't think she'd be again, like, pure guesswork. I don't know Kim Ang. I have no idea what she's thinking, but. I have a she's hard actually time. joining the Chase Thomas podcast. Is it? Yeah, we're doing. We we brought on Kim, and she's going to be our uh, our analyst here going forward. I, awesome. I like it. That means that means Come I don't podcast, have to think Kim. it takes anymore. This is great. I can just sit here and remind people that in 2004, the Boston Red Sox were down three games to nothing in a best of seven ALCS against the Yankees, and then came back and won it. Something that no team in Major League Baseball history had ever done before, and that hopefully yeah. no other team ever does again. Regardless. Her interviews also seem like she's more real than a lot of other GMs. Like she'll talk like the way she talks on the record and just the way she I don't know. I think she's actually a sneaky good interview. I think she'd be pretty good analyst. Like I, I think, think she'd so be too. We're pretty open. I just I I guess I, I just have a hard time seeing her accepting a subordinate role in another front yeah. office when it seems like part of the problem or part of her stepping away from the Marlins was that they were going to make her a subordinate in her own front office. And yeah, you know, again, like kudos to her for getting out shame on the marlins perpetually because they are just the kind of team that does this i and i think too that they're gonna find although maybe this is part of it too is that well now they can just go hire some you know some agm from somewhere else and pay him like eighty five thousand dollars a year to do this because all the marlins really care about is saving as much money as they can which if that's the case god be with them i'm just glad that once again we do not have to regard the marlins as a serious enterprise they belong, they, they belong in that Rockies tier. They make it clear every single year by doing at least one unfathomably stupid thing that mm. puts them in there to begin with. Good luck, Marlins. I don't know what they're thinking. I love it. Um, it's always the Marlins. Uh, does Juan Soto make sense for the Red Sox, John Absolutely Taylor? Absolutely not, no. Why? No, for, for starters, I don't... Lean into it, John. Similar to Kim Ang, don't Juan do that to Juan Soto. Don't make like I. He deserves so much better than that. Than than just that nightmare of of a of a currently constructed uh, operation. He fixes everything. I don't know what you mean, John. Does he pitch now? I mean, he could. Why not? I mean, he probably could. 
first, yeah, I think that's the big thing is if you're if you're the Red Sox and you've got a limited number of bullets to to fire off here, mm. they need to be spent on pitching because that is yeah. the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth biggest problem with this team. They don't have pitching. Um, second. I think if you're the Padres, and who knows with AJ Preller because you know the the 16 mice that that run his brain by yanking on cords and pulleys all the time don't really ever seem to be in agreement on how they're going to do it. But I would have to imagine that if you're AJ Preller and you're actually seriously considering moving Soto, you want to get a haul in return because you gave up a monster haul to get him in the first place. Mm. Like you're going to have to sell him for a portion of the dollar you spent. You know you're not going to get an equal return from anyone for Soto, for the simple fact of he is that much closer now to free agency than he was when the Padres acquired him. You know, this coming season is his last under team control. With Scott Boris as an agent, there is a 0.0000000 to the end of the world uh, chance that he's going to sign any kind of long-term extension, which means the Padres have to get, have to extract as much value as they can in any trade to make up for that. To say nothing of the fact that this particular Padres roster uh, is both in a, it's in a weird position where they're both win now, so they need help immediately, but they also have a very uh, thinned out farm system, so they need help for the future too. And I don't really know how you balance that if you're the Padres, if you're Preller trying to figure out what kind of trade return you would look, you would want, but mm-hmm. it's going to have to be a deep and multi-layered one for that to really to make any sense for San Diego. And then the other issue which I just brought up was you only get a season's worth of Soto. And for this Red Sox team that is not in immediate contention, that doesn't really make any sense. Unless ownership has already decided we're not just going to get him, but we're also going to make him a huge extension offer, then it doesn't really make sense. And I have a really hard time seeing this this front office, the one that let Mookie Betts and... Uh, oh my god, I totally blanked. They let Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts walk over... I mean, in Bogart's case, the, the contract the Padres offered him was never going to happen in Boston, but that, that let him get to that point in the first place. You know, they, they turned around and did, it, did the deal for Rafael Devers. I'm convinced it's only because if they hadn't, John Henry would have been beheaded on Lansdowne Street. I don't think that they're in the market to make that kind of offer to anyone. Maybe when, it, when Soto does reach free agency, then we can talk and we can see where things are at, but I don't really see that being their modus operandi at this point. Especially because there's no one even really in charge right now, which also complicates mm. things. So I think if Soto is going to get moved, it has to be to a team that is right there already and that has a deep farm system that can afford to lose some some bodies. Baltimore strikes me immediately as a realistic option. Uh, Texas, similarly, like we've talked about, the deep farm system and a win-now roster I think would make... I don't, again, it, it's tough because there is only a year left on his contract. Um, you know, you have to be really, really convinced that you are right there, you know, right at the top. Um, which also makes me think that an ostensible contender, or not a sensible contender, that a team that ostensibly would be in a super contender like Atlanta is probably going to look at that situation and go, no. We're, no. We, we know we can get there without him. That's not what we need. We need whatever else, you know, we'll talk about it. When they're going to shake up portion. something. Alex Anthopoulos recent interview this week. They're doing something bold. I don't know what it's going to be, but something bold is coming down the pike in Atlanta. I can, I can see that, but I think teams like Atlanta, the Dodgers, um, Houston, I think they really like the stability they've created and that they mm. don't have to do things like go out and get up Juan Soto. You know, that it's it not comes... Juan Soto, but they're like, it just depends. Everything is a case by case basis, but, and also circumstance of like, Hey, you've lost twice and back to back. Like I, I I would not rule out both the Dodgers and the Braves doing some. I mean, Braves more so than the Dodgers. They're going to do something that surprises you in a major way. I'll just go I, and tell you that. I could also see maybe a team like, you know, the, the Yankees or the Mets just wanting to... The Mets maybe just to make the splash. Mm. I don't know how they would make that work, but regardless... I mean, I, I find it unlikely that Soto gets dealt anyway because I just don't think any team is going to make an offer that the Padres are going to deem sufficient. I think they would rather just play out the string. Because again, you know, when you look at what the Padres did this season, yeah, they were bad, but a lot of that was terrible luck. Not terrible luck necessarily, but a terrible record in one-run games, a terrible record in extra innings games. The kind of stuff that, you know, you can drill down real deep into it and see if there, you know, there, there is some existing extant reason for that. But also is like, well, sometimes you just lose one-run games and it's just kind of dumb mm. luck in some ways. I think that the Padres can probably make an argument. I think Preller can probably make an argument to himself that this roster can contend 
It doesn't, we don't need to tear anything down. We give it one last shot with this group that we've assembled. And if it doesn't work, then we'll figure out a new path. And quite honestly, if it doesn't work next year, AJ Preller's probably out of a job anyway. So what does it really matter for him? You know, he's not, he's not incentivized to do anything for the future of the Padres unless he knows he's going to be around for the future of the Padres. And so I think that that would make a Soto deal that much less likely because any Soto deal for the Padres is admitting uh, to some degree or another, we are not going to be contending as much, we're not going to be as strong a contender in 2024 because I find it really hard to believe that any trade where Juan Soto leaves makes the Padres better or keeps them as good for 2024 as one where he's just on the roster anyway and they go out and fill the, the the pieces or fill the holes they need to fill through free agency or smaller trades. So, you know, I I, I think, again, if Soto's going to get dealt, I think that makes the most sense to a team like Baltimore or Texas or maybe a, a Mets team that wants to make a splash or, you know what, I'd love Cincinnati. That would be a big time trade for okay, Cincinnati. Okay, you know they're not but, doing that. No, they're not. But that, but that's kind of the thing, too, is that those those kinds of teams that can actually afford it on a prospect level, a Baltimore, Cincinnati, uh you know, if I look again at our at our prospect rank, our farm system rankings, a team like huh, Washington, uh, mm. Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, they're not going to make that kind of move. You know, they they are small small market teams that do not want to spend and do not want to give up cost controlled assets for a dude who will not be there in a year. Because that's the other part of it. Baltimore is not giving Juan Soto a four hundred million dollar contract. That yeah. just is not happening. They're not going to give anyone a four hundred million dollar contract, but they're definitely not giving Juan Soto a four hundred million dollar contract. So. I, I think more likely than not, who knows, the offseason's crazy, but I, I think for now, I would not expect the, the Padres to trade Soto anywhere, really. I like it. Uh, John, final thing here, as we wrap up on this edition of Take Graphs here on the Chase Thompson Podcast, Rangers or Phillies? We're operating under the assumption that both probably end up winning both of their respective series here, and I think that's what we really want, because both have looked like juggernauts this postseason. I think it gives you the best potential matchup in the post in the World Series, which is what you really want. Heck yeah. If we get Rangers and Phillies, John Taylor, who matches up better with who? I continue to believe that the Phillies are essentially matchup proof. Mm. The lineup hits everybody. Uh, if they've got this version of Aaron Nola on the regular, they match up with anyone's top two starters. The high leverage guys in this bullpen have been more or less untouchable. I think the one thing, and of course, as I keep mentioning, uh, postseason games at Citizens Bank Park are automatic losses for road teams. Nobody hmm. wins there. It is, at this point, it seems categorically impossible to beat the Phillies in Philadelphia, which I think is a huge part of this, too. Yeah. Granted, I think Texas matches up with them really well. You know, I, I think a lot of that, like I've said before, is going to depend on uh, what version of Max Scherzer Texas gets. You know, if he looks healthy and sharp tonight against the Astros, boy, that's going to that's gonna make any World Series against Philadelphia that much tougher because they, they can actually go three deep with Scherzer and Montgomery and Uvalde. If Scherzer looks rusty or just is clearly not uh, not himself, I think it swings probably back toward Philly's favor because, again, the thing you run into with, with Texas is who is pitching who is pitching after Uvalde and Montgomery. Mm. It's going to have to be some combo of Dane Dunning and Andrew Haney and really who knows what else. And this is where, obviously, DeGrom is, is missed the most, but also where Scherzer is missed the most. They really need him back healthy, I think, to make any World Series dreams a full reality. So I, I think it hinges on that. If Scherzer is healthy and productive, I think Texas can give Philly that matchup. I would worry about the bullpen, but I'm going to keep worrying about that bullpen. In particular, I worry that LeClerc is going to wear down completely by the time the World Series rolls around. Really, what Texas needs more than anything uh, at some point in this series, ideally they finish it, you know, ideally in their minds they finish it in four. They need a blowout tonight if they want to, you know, to, to set them up really, really well. Not just to demoralize Houston going forward and really, you know, make it feel like an impossibility when they're up 3-0, you know, but to give that to give that part of the bullpen, particularly Leclerc, a night off, give him a, a beat, especially because we're now in that portion of the CS or the ALCS where we've got three games back to back to back all going to be in Houston. They need to find a way if they've, you know, if they can't win game three tonight, they've got to find a way to get to get Leclerc some rest in there somewhere to the point where I think, honestly, if they are down, even if it's close late, I think they have to try to let someone else get those outs because they know they're going to have another game to play on Thursday. And if they lose Wednesday, they're going to have to play another game on Friday. They need a rested Leclerc for that. Uh, I know they just had the day off anyway, but, you know, ideally get them as much time as you can because they really seems to be the only reliever Bruce Bochy trusts. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, ev everything right now just feels like Phillies, doesn't it? The, the vibe is just so very much a Phillies World Series win. I mean, I think it felt kind of like that last need. year. 
It did, but I think at the same time, the way Houston rolled through the American League, I don't really know that it felt like an impossibility for the Phillies. I think it more just felt like, oh man, they're really doing this. This team looks different in a way, man. This team yeah. looks like I, I worry what happens when the home runs stop being hit. But at the same time, why would you assume the home runs stop being hit in a lineup with Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner and Bryce Harper and Nick well, Hold on, I can let me, uh, You want to ask me about how home runs can just stop happening okay, in the postseason, John that's Taylor? Fair. But a that's team because that hits a lot of them. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola mm. and a good Ranger Suarez too. Yeah, like. Uh, granted, and you know, turn that around. Though the Phillies had to face uh, Spencer Strider, and okay, it thins out a little bit after that. But again, this is why I think Scherzer is so so important for Texas's World Series hopes. If they can go three deep in the rotation, they are so well set up to match Philly and to keep the and to keep that lineup down at least enough where they're all because their offense that is the offense I think even more so than Houston that can mm. match the Phillies run for run going forward that has the power, that has the speed, that has the contact ability to make something happen, even if the home runs aren't get, aren't, aren't hit, being hit for the Rangers, I think they can still make runs happen. You saw that yeah. when they played Baltimore. You've seen it so far when they've played Houston. There haven't, I don't really... Um, I'm trying to think how many home runs have even been hit in the first two games of the ALCS. I think it's only one or two. Yeah. You know, it, this, it's not the Phillies who've just been bashing them left and right. Texas is getting its runs from a variety of places. So, yeah. you know, I, I think, again, healthy Scherzer... I think the Rangers are in really good shape for a World Series if they make it that far. Not healthy Scherzer? Well, I don't even know if the Rangers make it out of the ALCS. I like it. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? So, as always, with the postseason, we will be running uh, game pieces or recaps of every game that's happening. So check for those late at night or early in the morning when you wake up. So you can, if you miss the game or if you really just want to you know, look at it through a fresh set of eyes, you can check out our, our gamers. One of the nice things about this particular Philadelphia-Arizona NLCS matchup is that we have boots on the ground in both places. Uh, Michael Bauman, who had a lovely sidebar piece uh, for Game 2 off of Trey Turner, his his one inning of both highs and lows. Similarly, mm. in Arizona, we're going to have our own editor-in-chief, Meg Rowley, uh, at the stadium, ready to file off what she finds. So if you want some color from those games, uh, check out those as they're coming. On top of that, we are already starting to get our off-season stuff in line because, folks, the season will be over by, at the very latest, November 4th. You know, there's only, like, two more weeks of baseball left, at best. So we are already starting to think ahead to our main, to the first big project of our off-season, which is our top 50 free agent ranking. Number one, I feel like, is pretty obvious. I, I, I think, you know, from the season he's had, from the accolades he's received, from... From the oh way my god! I cannot like my I prediction know, look, on this is going to be so bad because I don't think he's being signed right away. I think it's gonna the owners are really gonna push back on this. I think he's gonna I, sit for way too long. I'm really concerned about the disc. It's gonna be bad. I'm not. I, I also am worried about what's gonna happen to Adam Duvall. Yeah. So <laughs> I was trying to I was like trying to remember in my head the list of free agents because I was like I can't say Blake Snell because that's not actually a funny joke. No. Um But yeah, it'll it'll be the Shohei Otani top fifty. Um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do, we do it every year. Ben Clemens is, is already building the list out and making the case for folks. So five days after the end of the world series, that is when uh, free agency officially starts. We will have our list out right as free agency starts. So look for that in the coming future. Otherwise, like I said, check us out for our game recaps, check us out for our playoff coverage. Uh, just in terms of that, we've got a piece from t on Thursday from Davey Andrews about the postseason bullpens. Uh, we've got a piece from Leo Morgenstern about intentional walks in the postseason. We've got a piece from Esteban Rivera. I, I really like the stuff Esteban does. It's really mechanics focused. He's going to do something on swing path variants that if you're one of the, if you're a mechanics nerd, definitely check his stuff out. I thought he did a great piece on Gabriel Moreno uh, the other day, who's really, really been a bright spot for Arizona so far. But what, regardless of what you're coming to Fangraphs for, if you're not a member, come on and join us. Sign up as a member uh, for $5 a month or... What is it? No, ten dollars a month or sixty dollars a year ad free. There, we, I've been doing it so often, I still forget it sometimes. It's okay. uh, sixty dollars a year gets you ad free browsing plus some cool other perks. Uh, stick around for all the cool off season stuff we're gonna do because Fangraphs is where baseball doesn't stop even when baseball stops. There you go. I love all these different taglines. I'm just, I'm. They just come to me from from the deep like a dream. There you go. Very Twin Peaksy. Uh, John Taylor, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good.
This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.